Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise! Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to the Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Thursday, November 24th. It is one minute past 10 p.m. And you are watching the sick podcast with my toque and all. Uh, proud to wear my Canada toque. That's number one. Number two, uh, one of the other reasons why I'm wearing it is I took a nap before the show, and when I woke up, I had all these red marks all over my forehead. I don't know if we can see them or not, but, you know, these pillow marks and stuff like that. But I said, you know what? That doesn't look too good, so tonight I'm going to wear my toque. Anyway, uh, that's a story. I probably shouldn't have told you why I was wearing it, but I told you anyway. I'm one of those guys. I just don't keep anything a secret, and I'll always tell you the truth. The show is brought to you in part by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. And the Montreal Canadiens, I think, maybe surprised the Columbus Blue Jackets a little bit last night with a 3-1 win because it was just six nights before that that the Canadians went to Columbus and the cannon went off at least six times because it also went off before the game. So make it seven. And the Canadians lost big a week ago in Columbus, and they won 3-1 last night. And for a change, it was team defense that got it done. It was Arbor Jackai who scored for the Canadians. It was David Savard who also scored, and Sean Monaghan added an empty netter. Uh, in front of Samuel Montambo, who, uh, you know what, has really progressed in the last year. There's no doubt about that. We have our guy because tonight I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going to go on the topic of young players and I'm going to go on the topic of Jordan Harris. I'm going to go on the topic of Caden Gooley. I'm going to go on the topic of Arbor Jackai and everyone's favorite young player. I'm going to go on the topic of Uri Slavkowski. Actually, when I say young players, I mean, I can add Caulfield and Suzuki to the mix, but it almost seems like they're established veteran players, even though it's just a couple of years in the league for Caulfield. But I want to talk about some of those other guys. So I bring in a guy who's studied the draft over the past couple of years and knows it well. He's a former Montreal Canadian scout in the Bob Ganey regime. 
And today he runs his own independent scouting service. He's Grant McCagg of Recruits and Recruits.ca. Grant, how are you? Hey, Tony. Good. Yourself? Very, very good. I just noticed that uh, we can actually change the lighting. Here we go. I think the lighting's a lot better. Now, there we go. I think that's better. Okay. Uh, Very good, Grant. I want to talk to you about the young players. Uh, A decision, it seems, was made with Uri Slavkowski, I think. It almost seems like if we take a look at his ice time, we take a look at the line that he's playing on, uh, it almost seems like they're going according to a script and that they probably had uh, before the season started and they said, let's ease him in slowly but surely. In that regard, he wouldn't be different than a lot of rookies. I mean, uh, I talked about Joe Thornton over the past couple of days. Well, Thornton in his rookie season picked up just seven points in 55 games, and by golly, Slavkowski has got five points in like 15 games or whatever it is. He's on pace to actually do better than that. If you think about it, let's just say he plays 75 games. Well, he'll finish with 25 points in 75 games if the math prevails and he's on to the same average, of course. Um, But the other night, Mike Hoffman goes down with an injury. And Uri Slavkowski is brought up from the fourth line to the second line. He plays that game versus the Buffalo Sabres. He plays about 14 and a half minutes. They lose by a score of 7-2. to two. And then last night they were in Columbus. And there you have it. Uri Slavkowski is back on the fourth line playing about 10 minutes. And Evgeny Dadanov is in his spot. So just your overall thoughts on when he does get a promotion for whatever reason... It just doesn't seem to last very long. Predetermined, in your opinion, or not? Uh, that's a good question, Tony. I uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think maybe, you know, if he'd have had a very good game, that he'd probably been with them again, the you know, the next night. But, I mean, the whole team, including that line, wasn't overly good in that game. I know we started the season with Dvorak and, and Gallagher, right? Yeah. The, the first couple of games, and they didn't really click. Uh, but Dvorak and Gallagher weren't playing very well at the time either. Um, and they, you know, their play had been better of, of late, but then when they put them back together again, again, you know, you didn't seem to see much, uh, they didn't seem to click too well there. Um, so I don't know, like sometimes, you know, you, you, you I think they want to give them opportunities and, 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 you know, maybe not too often they started the season there if he'd have clicked they'd have probably kept him there for a bit and the same with the with the one game uh again you know throw him the odd uh cookie there and see if he uh, takes advantage of it you know i know like uh craig ramsey when you know when he was with the olympic team and the world world championships he he started him off in lower line and then brought him up as you know he was producing it and deserving it but then he kept producing. And uh, I have a feeling that one of these times uh, he'll get called up and hopefully he'll, he'll click with guys in the top nine and then, uh, you know, get, get more of a look with that line as, as time goes on. But uh, certainly his play away from the puck is still, you know, Marty, Marty brought it up in, in a, one of his pressers in the past week and he's losing a lot of pucks. You know, he's, he, he, he still, he, there's turnovers and there's work to be done away from the play. And the, I think maybe a little worried about him playing against other teams, top two lines 
when he has those turnovers, they're going to click, they're going to, you know, convert on them a little more often than when you, you turn it over when you're up against an, another team's fourth line. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. We'll get back to the Canadians in just a second. Obviously, it's a very sad day in the hockey world, Grant. As uh, Boria Salming, longtime Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman of a 16-year career, um, passed away earlier this afternoon after a battle with ALS. Uh, we'll get back to the Canadians in a minute. Is there a Boria Salming memory that you would have for me? Huh. I just remember him being the one, you know. I mean, I didn't mind Daryl Sittler either, really, but Salming was the one guy that you just, you know, I mean, I grew up, my grandfather was a big Leafs fan and my mother and, and my dad and myself were a Habs fan. So there was always that rivalry there. But uh, so, you know, I've always not been, not cheered for the Leafs, uh, you know, too much. But uh, Borea Song was someone that, that I couldn't uh, cheer against. You know, he just total respect for the man. Uh, he changed the game, you know. He, he, he let us see that you could be tough without, without dropping the gloves. You know, I think he's the first guy, you know, he, I mean, he was a trend, you know, he, he started the, the European wave, but I also think that he started the, you know, where the first real player that you could, you could call tough who never ever dropped the gloves, you know, because he didn't have to, uh, he played a different way, but he was courageous as they came. And I just had complete respect for Boris Solomon and it was very sad to see, uh, although I'm glad to see that he, he, he got that one trip back for the Hall of Fame, you know, and the ovation yeah. in Toronto again. And it's nice that he got that one last, uh, we got that one last time to say goodbye to him. Yeah. You know, one of the moments I'll never forget, and uh, once again, he had such a real good career with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was a very, very consistent performer. He was a tough player to play against. He played his position really, really well. It didn't take long for him to garner respect from everyone in the National Hockey League. Uh, he was a leader on that Toronto Maple Leafs team for a very, very long time. I'm sure you're going to recall this, Grant, but back in 1986, November of 86 it was, uh, he suffered one of the scariest the injuries yeah. in the history of the National Hockey League, and um, he was lying down in front of the goalkeeper, and... Um, Gerard Gallant of the Detroit Red Wings lost his balance and ended up stepping on Salming's face. Yeah. And uh, he got stitched up for almost 300 stitches, and the scar went all around his face, but basically curved around his eye and just missed his eye by like that much. And he could have, you know, easily lost his vision back then so in his huge misfortune on that night he was actually lucky that he didn't lose his eye or you know it was terrible it's 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 one of the ugliest injuries the national hockey league has ever seen the other one that comes to my mind of course there's several but the other one is clint malarchik getting sliced open richard zednik got sliced open by a skate as well but uh, i think those were the three scariest uh, skate slashing accidents that we've seen in the history of the National Hockey League. Malarchuk, Zednik, and Salming. Yeah. Uh, but obviously our, our thoughts are with, uh, you know, Maple Leafs land and their fans 
yeah. an entire Leafs nation tonight. Uh, we lost a good one in Borea Salmon. Oh, definitely. And, you know, like when you, when you bring that up, I just, I can still picture the, you know, the photograph that was in, you know, in the papers the next day or whatever, the famous photograph of him with the, with the cut. And it was just amazing. And, and I don't think he was even out that long, you know, he was just so tough. He was a warrior, uh, you know, I remember Harold Ballard saying about the Swedes and this and that, and he could go in the corner with eggs and come out of the corner and not break them, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, Borea proved pretty quickly that, uh, that he, that he wasn't afraid of anybody. It is the sick podcast and uh, it is uh, brought to you in part by 8.6 beer intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. Uh, I had it somewhere here. I was reading up on it earlier tonight and I think somebody just um, actually text something about it, but um, he, um, like you just said, uh, he didn't miss many games coming back from that injury. And I remember he took the entire hockey world by shock. They were like, oh, my God, is this guy ever going to play again? Oh, yeah, he played, and he didn't miss too many games thereafter. It was really unbelievable. Anyway, what a terrible, terrible, terrible disease ALS is. I mean, no disease is good. This one is just really, really terrible. All right, Uh, once again, our thoughts and prayers as we continue on the sick podcast we'll talk about the montreal canadians who are in chicago uh, they're already there but they'll visit the uh, chicago block Ox tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m it's an early start of course uh thanksgiving thursday today in the united states so thanksgiving weekend usually come coincides with games on um you know earlier on thursdays or on fridays especially on fridays on thursdays they tend to avoid because of course the national football league plays Several, several games. All right, okay. Um, we talked about Slavkowski. You talked about Marty St. Louis saying a couple of days ago that young players usually don't think about playing without the puck, but they should because it's knowing how to play without the puck that is going to lead to scoring chances. Um, what was your scouting report on him without the puck before he was drafted? Uh, decent, um, you know, I think it, it's, uh, but, you know, the Slovakian men's league or the Finnish, you know, Finnish elite league, sorry, uh, you know, compared to the NHL, there's just, such, there's such a difference. And, and of course the, the smaller ice, you know, he's finding that he doesn't have the room that he had, uh, before to make the, you know, he's got to make quicker decisions and, uh, especially with the puck and stuff and uh but um you know you know i mean for a 17 year old kid that was playing uh men's hockey i thought his uh defense was quite good um and i i think he'll be an excellent defensive player as as you know as time goes along it's just uh there's a lot to learn you know um big adaptation to play in the best league and and in north america on the smaller rinks and it's uh it's taken him some time, but I think all of these, uh, you know, all, all of these learning moments uh, are, I've just been great for him. Like, uh, you know, the, the hit he took uh, against, uh, you know, the kid in Minnesota, you know, he knows now, you know, he learned, he, he, le- he learned a lesson from that, right? Not to, 
to 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 keep braced in the play and be ready for the unexpected like people are on you right away in the nhl and then the same thing with the with the hit into the boards where he got suspended you know you don't do that uh uh, some of the giveaways that, that he's had in recent games, I'm sure, you know, you, you can tell that he doesn't, you know, that he wants to win badly. And I mean, it was yeah. one of the reasons why they picked him because they think that he's going to help them win playoff games down the road. But it, it's a learning, uh, it's a learning curve and we have to be patient and hopefully he is uh, as patient as the team is because uh, they seem to be, you know, doing it the right way. They're certainly more patient about it than, than I am. I want them. I want him in the top six from day one. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was taking calls last night on right here on the Sick Podcast after the Canadians defeated the Columbus Blue Jackets by a score of three to one, and a gentleman called in and he wasn't sold on Uri Slavkowski and he referenced the fact that Slavkowski picked up ten points in thirty-one games with TPS Turku in Finland, and uh, he thought that there should be alarm bells there that you know how many guys have a season like that end up going number one and end up having a real good productive career. One of the things I tried to warm about or I brought up was that, okay, I understand you're concerned with 10 points in 31 games. Okay. Well, the leading point getter um, on his team picked up 39 points in 56 games. Yeah. So 29 more points. In yeah. 25 more games. Okay. Right. Well, that leading point getter on his team was also, you know, six or seven years older than him. He yeah. also played with guys on that team that, you know, were a lot older than him, uh, 10 years older than him, 11 years older than him, 12 years older than him. He played in a league where he's going up against guys that are, once again, 10, 11, 12, 13 years older than him. He has a teammate who's 34 years of age. So I tried to stress, we're talking about a 17-year-old kid playing in a men's league versus yeah. 25, 27, 29, 31, 33, 34-year-old players. It's not easy to pick up no. those points. Would you like to elaborate and give us your thoughts on that? Well, like how many first overall picks uh, uh, were European and played men's hockey in their draft year? You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, you can't compare you compare to what, you know, like uh, there's been very few. And um, I, I posted stats last year of, uh, you know, kids like Aho and, and others that, uh, that that have gone on to be very good NHLers in their draft year. You know, did they put up better stats? And and it was, I think, in the history of uh, all all drafted European players, I think there's three or four or five that have put up more points than Slavkowski did. You know, uh, points per game, right? Because he only yeah. played thirty, so you have to go by points per game. So I mean, you know, uh, you can't. Uh, I mean, Ratten and there, all of those guys. None of them. The only guy that really ever really produced. Uh, well, it, in his draft year, was Barkov. You know, I think he was close to a point per game, and uh, and Line A, they're, they're the only two guys. So it's, uh, you know, your 17 year old. Just the fact that he played 30 games in in, uh, in the Finnish men's league at that age is is you know is amazing. Um, 
Uh, what I wonder, like, what I find funny about the people that, that point to one, you know, they 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 cherry pick on one specific stat. Yeah. But then, but then the fact that he led the Olympics in goal scoring and was the MVP is irrelevant to them, you know. Like it just like. You got to look at the whole package, right? And then Brad, in the Brad, I, the I love, I love the fact. If I can, I love the fact that you brought up Sebastian Aho because Sebastian Aho played for uh, Carpat and then played the last three games with Pori. Well, Sebastian Aho picked up thirteen points in thirty games in his draft year. Thirteen points in thirty games. Sebastian Aho, thus far in his NHL career has had seasons of 83 points. He's had seasons of 81 points. He's had seasons of 66 points in 68 games. He's got seasons of 57 points in 56 games. And this year, he's got 22 points in 20 games. So Sebastian Ajo picked up 13 points in 30 games his draft year. There you go. 13 points in 30 games. Solani and, and picked up 10 points in 31 games, three right. points less in one game more. And Sebastian Alho is a point per game player in the National Hockey League. Right. That's 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 a great point, Grant. That's yeah. a great point. And I mean Timo Solani, I like to point to Timo Timu, like the best uh Finnish players ever, like Solani, Koivu, they didn't even make the men's, you know, in their draft years, they weren't playing. In the Finnish men's hockey league, you know, Timu Solani didn't even play in the men's Finnish men's hockey league in his draft year, and then in his first year in the NHL, scored seventy six goals. So, uh, you, you know, you can look at those stats and you can say, well, that means that he can't. But that that's not how you do it. You you, you scout the player, and what we saw last year was was uh, was just a. I mean, it's going to take a couple of years for him to be a, you know, a, a, a big point producer, but he will be. And uh, in the playoffs, I believe he was fifth on his team in scoring. You know, it's just such a low-scoring league, like you were pointing to the stats, you know. Uh, I believe he was fifth. He may have been seventh. Between fifth and seventh in scoring, you know, as a 17-year-old, they're just turning 18, which to me is very impressive. And I thought he played a well, a strong all-around game in the playoffs and really helped them. It, that's the main reason they 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 drafted him. They, you know, I think they went over. They saw him in the playoffs. They saw him at the Olympics. They saw him at the World Championships and helped his team. All he did was help his team. Uh, they, they they overachieved. You know, every team that he played with last year. Or so that's the thinking. Uh, I think it, with uh, Hughes and, and Lapointe and, and Gorton and 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 the gang is that Slavkowski is going to. He's a winner, and he's going to help the Canadians win down the road. You just don't don't be don't, don't be looking for it at 18 years of age necessarily. A shout out to Playground. They have over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It is Playground. All right, okay. Back to Slavkowski for a second. In the couple of games he's played with Dvorak and Gallagher, they have not produced. And when they don't, and then he goes back to the fourth line and he plays with, last night it was Evans and Pizzetta or wherever it may be, some people say, I want to see him playing with Sean Monaghan. Um, when you take a look at the players on the Canadians, right now where Slavkowski is 
in his development curve in his rookie season, who do you think he would fit best with right now and why? I agree with, uh, with, I'd like to see him play with Monaghan. I think uh, Monaghan is a very good playmaker, good, uh, you know, has good puck possession skills and um, a smart, smart two-way, you know, uh, centerman. Um, I would like to see him playing with Monaghan and Anderson, you know, uh, get, get that extra size on the, on the line and, uh, you know, do a lot of cycling down low. Monaghan's a big boy too. You know, I've noticed mm-hmm. in recent games there, he, uh, you know, he can handle himself pretty well along the boards and, and that, and I think that that's a line that could, uh, could do some damage on the cycle if, if given the chance and, uh, you know, that, that to me, hopefully at some point here, he gets a look with, uh, Monaghan and Anderson. With Monaghan and Anderson. All right. On, on, uh, on Josh Anderson, if we can, he leaves the Montreal Canadians and hits, but you look at him and you say, I need to see more goals from this guy. I need to see more points from this guy. Uh, Grant, my evaluation of Josh Anderson is already in. Um, he's 28 years old. He's been in the National Hockey League briefly since, what, the 14-15 season, up and down. Uh, let's just say his first season was 16-17, where he played more games. He played 78 games. I think he is who he is, uh, and you're not going to see him put up over right. 30 goals with any regularity. It's a number he's never hit. Uh, he's never hit more than 47 points. He did that once. Other than that, he had 32 points. Other than that, he had 24 points. Other than that, he had 30 points. Other than that, he had 29 points. I, I think he's going to yeah. keep us wanting more goals from him for the rest of his career, wanting more points from him for the rest of his career. Uh, he's under contract for several years. The number is digestible at $5.5 million but he's the type of player that other teams would want because he's got term left on his contract, because the number is digestible, because he's in the prime of his career at 28 years old, because he's six foot three and 220 pounds, because he's a power forward right winger for all those reasons and more. But my, so my question to you is, um, would you be willing to trade Josh Anderson? And if so, what do you think his value would be on the marketplace? Oh sure, and I agree with you. With you know, he's he's just he, he he's very inconsistent. You know, you'll you'll see it one game where he has a great you know period or two, and then you're thinking, okay, here we go. He's gonna you know start scoring regularly, and then he disappears again for two or three games. Is a bit like Armia in that regard. You know, just the the inconsistency is discouraging. You know, because uh, when he's on his game and he's roaring down the wing and hit forechecking and hitting guys and, you know, uh, get making plays. Although he, ne- he's not never going to be a playmaker. Like he, he, unfortunately he has tunnel vision to a certain degree there, you know, like he's, uh, you saw the play last night there where he got the puck and his head was down and, you know, there was a guy ahead of him and all he had to do was get it up to him. But the, the tunnel vision came in and you, you know, uh, I mean, he, he he can play a third line energy role and bang in some goals. Uh, you know, playoff come playoff time, uh, 
you know, uh, when they were on the run a couple of years ago, he had some big moments there. And, you know, he can help uh, if the Canadians uh, fall out of the playoff race and, uh, you know, a team comes calling with a first round pick or whatever. I, yeah, for sure. I would, uh, uh, I would entertain uh, trading Anderson for sure. All right. So I've already brought this up on the sick podcast. I have it on good information that the New Jersey Devils are very, very interested in him. I'm sure they're not the only ones. So let's just say New Jersey, and I know you know the prospects and around the National Hockey League like the back of your hand, but who would be the one guy do you think that the Canadians could probably get from New Jersey, uh, even if it took um, the Canadians trying to spice it up a little bit, maybe add in another prospect or another draft choice themselves? Who do you think is the one guy the Canadians should target? Ah, that's a, you know, that's a very good question. Um, you know, most of their, their guys are, are with the big team and, you know, the ones that are desirable, like Luke Hughes and uh, Holtz, I, I don't know that they'd be, you know, made available. I suppose uh, Alexander Holtz would be the, you know, you try to pry him uh, from the devils. Um, but uh, I, I think you know, New Jersey would be more uh, inclined to offer a, a decent draft pick than one of their, uh, you know, one of their leading um, uh, prospects. But I think if, if you did, it, it would probably be Holtz and you would, you would have to send something else back for sure. What's the ceiling for Holtz? I mean, we're talking about a guy, if memory serves me well, last year with Utica, uh, probably scored a goal every other game. Is this the type of player that has 30 goals in him at the National Hockey League level? Yeah, I think so. Uh, just, you know, got, has to keep working on his skating a bit, get a little stronger. Uh, typical European that, that's not necessarily ready at 21 to play, you know, the NHL pace. Uh, but he is a sniper. He, he is a really good, you know, unlike Anderson, he hit, he'll hit the net you know, when he's in the, in the uh, slot with the puck uh, 70% of the t- time as opposed to 20 or whatever it is with Josh. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a sniper. And the Canadians, uh, I think he's got second-line winger upside. Uh, they could use a they could use a goal scorer on the second line, that's for sure. Uh, I think it's safe to say that no matter how much the Canadians would want to entice New Jersey with, obviously, players or prospects that, you know, well, are not home run players or prospects in return that it would be very difficult to price Simon Nemec away. I mean, they really have to do something pretty exceptional there. We're talking about a guy who went second overall in the draft. And of course, a lot of yeah. people are watching us right now on Facebook live on Twitter live and on YouTube live. They're bringing up Nevich's name because he's from Slovakia. He's got a great relationship with Uri Slavkowski. He's got a great relationship with Philip Mashar. Everyone's dreaming of seeing the three Slovaks together as Montreal Canadiens, you know, in the very near future for a very long time. But they probably have no interest in trading him away. Well, the trade works on my PlayStation, uh, Tony, and that's it. Yeah, I got it. I yeah. got it. All right. Okay, so we, we, we got that out of the way. Uh, on to more young players. Uh, there's been, uh, ever since Mike Matheson came back, a little bit of rotation. Marty St. Louis said, listen, this is the way it's going to go down. Jordan Harris is going to miss a game every now and then. Arbor Jack is going to miss a game every now and then. 
Kovacevic will miss a game every now and then. No, notice, I don't think he threw Caden Gooley's name in that mix <laughs> of defensemen missing a game every now and then. What do you think of the rotation and out of the young guys? Um, who do you think misses most of the games? Is it going to be an equal rotation, you think? Because when Jack Guy was out of the lineup versus Buffalo, a lot of people said Jack Guy out of the lineup versus a big team, probably not a good idea, yada, yada, yada. And they lost by a score of 7-2. to two. He's number 72. A lot of people looked at it as a little bit of a message that 72 has to be in the Canadiens lineup. He comes back next game. He scores a goal in Columbus. Is Jack Guy going to be part of that rotation, you think? Or uh, do you think the coach is going to change his mind on that one? Yeah, the next time they face Tage Thompson, I think Jack Guy is going to be out there, you know, on the ice every shift. My God. <laughs> is, is, they they is needed he him. Or is he something? He is, yeah, he, yeah. Puss. I mean, what a load. Whoa. <laughs> that was one of the uh, most impressive big man games I've seen from, you know, a guy that's 6'5 plus in a long time, you know, brought back uh, memories of Lindros. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's just getting better and better. He's, uh, uh, that line's going to be a load to, to have to deal with over the next couple of years, and I'm glad, you know, I mean, Hey, Marty's, uh, you know, he's a rookie coach, basically. And, uh, you know, there's going to be these times when they make these decisions where, okay, we won't be doing that next time, you know. Like, I, I did make a comment about that on Twitter last night that, you know, he, it, it was curious that that they took out Kovacevic and, and Jack I against what might be the biggest team in the league, you know. And it showed. Uh, um yeah, I I wrote an article a, a week or so ago, you know, a, concerning what they probably will do, and uh, I did, you know, I kind of figured that that would be the the route they take would be to rotate rotate guys, you know, Jacki Kovacevic and and uh, and Harris mostly. I think they could also, you know, might not hurt to. Uh, down the stretch as we go along here to maybe rest one of the vets every now and then too, you know, depending, I mean, if they keep struggling, you know, on and off uh, so far, Matheson and Edmondson haven't lit, lit it up, you know, exactly. Uh, uh, if, if they have some struggles for a week or so, I don't think you can, you know, uh, it, it might not hurt to, to rest them on a back to back every now and then if the other, if the other kids get going again, but I think it'll, you know the, the the six that are playing the best will probably get get in the lineup the most. But um, you know, out of the three, I, I, I at this point I'd say Harris is probably going to miss more games than the other guys, uh, predominantly because uh, Kovacevic is a is a righty. You know, yeah. and I don't think they want five left-handed uh, D men in the lineup too often. Yeah. And I know yeah. that Harris played right defense uh, yeah. at Northeastern, but there's a difference between playing right defense at Northeastern and playing at the National yeah. League level where he struggled quite a bit. Grant, judging from the comments that I see on YouTube Live, uh, you've been a very much appreciated guest tonight on the SIG Podcast. A lot of people with some real nice things to say about you. 
which you see, Grant, it's not always bad, right? Social media can be a bad place, but tonight YouTube Live has been very, very good to you. That's his Twitter handle. It's at Grant McCag. He's a former scout with the Montreal Canadiens in the Bob Ganey regime. He runs his own independent scouting service with recruits and recruits.ca. For not a lot of money, you'll get yourself an annual subscription. You'll get a lot of inside information, scouting reports. You'll get a lot of analysis. You'll get a lot of interviews that Grant does with young players and some prospects from the Montreal Canadiens. Grant, I hope I sold it well for you. If there's anything you'd like to add in, go for yeah. it. No, Tony, you, you sold it fantastic. I couldn't, I couldn't add a single thing. I appreciate it, as always. Well, thanks, Grant, for joining me tonight. You know I appreciate it as well. There you have it, Grant McCag. Thanks. thanks, buddy. Have a good night. All right. It's now time to talk some player cards, which is a segment I really appreciate. Six sports cards. Presented by Sports La Tornade. Oh, yeah. Six Sports Cards is presented by Sports La Tornade. There's my buddy Chris. Look at him. What a beauty. Sports Cards, collectibles, and more. Visit the store at 1 Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil, Dorian. What's going on, my man? Not much, not much. Just uh, had a big day of watching a lot of football. Uh, yeah, back at the store he is. Yes, uh, and and you know what? As uh, I prepared for the show, a little bit of on and a little bit of off here, uh, what did I miss in the football world tonight? Uh, last I left, uh, when I left, there was halftime between the, uh, what was the, the, uh, the last game was, uh, the Patriots and the Vikings. It's 26, yes. 23, 26, uh, 23. Okay. And in the third quarter. Okay. All right. So okay. that's, that's what I missed because of course yeah. we all had a chance to watch what happened earlier today and the Buffalo bills, 28, the Detroit lions, 25 and the Dallas Cowboys over the New York Giants by a score of 28 to 20. What a beautiful day in the world of football today. And not only American football, but also European and South American and another kind of football, which here in North America is a sport that they talk soccer. And we'll have the go for gold segment a little bit later on. We'll tell you what happened today and we'll line up who is playing tomorrow as I'm wearing my Canada toque. And I've spent most of the night, by the way, Chris, everyone sees me moving my toque and they're wondering why. Well, because... Uh, I'm trying to get the middle of my glasses between the N and the A, and that's when it's probably <laughs> going to be centered. Anyway, that's uh, that's a problem that I'm having tonight, which is my problem. Hey, you were at the uh, the uh, sports card show in Toronto, uh, which was now several weeks ago. We brought it up, you know, in passing a little bit, but I'd like to recap the show with you if I can. Uh, and, and I'm wondering, paint a picture for me about how many tables are set up at a show like that, how many people are walking in, and without giving away all your trade secrets, is there something that you do so that your relationship as the seller is different than someone else's relationship who owns another store with someone approaching them at the table, which would be the buyer. So, I, I mean, everyone has a selling technique. There's a technique even when you do podcasting and radio or TV and you do interviews. Uh, there's the whole breaking of the ice process that you try and do, which I tried to do with Jeff Gordon. Uh, you know, make, make uh, the other person smile at one point, maybe make them laugh, break the ice, break them in slowly but surely, 
and your degree of questioning maybe um, goes a little deeper and deeper and maybe a little bit more level of difficulty as it goes on. Without giving away your trade secrets, I mean, is there something you do uh, to, you know, to ensure that your relationship with the buyer uh, is a little bit different than what they'll get somewhere else? And, and, you know, do you do it all the time? Talk to me about that. Yeah, definitely I do. But uh, before I get there, I just want to show you this. This is, uh, look at this. We got a new at Spalnet on that. This is a Caden Gooley pillow. Wow. Okay. This is wow. this is the next time I see you. This is this is yours. This is your birthday present from oh, the really? store. Okay, hold on a second. So, I'm I'm gonna do this now. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm hoping that I'm gonna go in the other room and there's gonna be something that I want to show you. But okay. uh, talk to me about talk about that pillow for a second. I'll be back in in thirty seconds. Okay. 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 All right. Talk to the so, listeners and viewers about it. Okay. So these pillows are made. They're a very good. Uh, they're a very hot commodity right now because. People are picking them up as uh, Christmas presents in the store. We have Caden Gooley. I have Kirby Dak. I have Caulfield. We have Suzuki with the captain. We have Suzuki from last year. I also have all the other big players, Ovechkin, Crosby, Austin Matthews. Uh, we can have custom ones made. Uh, somebody ordered a Tom Brady. So we do have uh, many players available. And uh, they're, they're, they sell for $35, and they, uh, they're, they're a great uh, Christmas gift. All right. Uh, this is a home that likes pillows. Right. And uh, uh, here's my buddy, Leo. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, here's my buddy, uh, Cristiano. Right on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, there you have it. We like pillows. Those so are pretty nice, huh? So, so you're a soccer guy, and I always ask all the soccer guys, because I'm not that big into soccer, who's better? Uh. Whew. The, the easy way out is to tell you that they're both very different players and now uh, we shouldn't compare them because they're different. Okay. Um, if you don't want me to take the easy way out, um, it's funny because they're both wearing jerseys of their former teams here. Messi sporting a Barcelona jersey and Ronaldo sporting a Juventus. If yeah. you don't want me to take the easy way out and answer the question, I will say this. I will say that, and it's funny because if you ask anyone who's Portuguese, they're going to tell you Ronaldo's obviously better. And, That's the obvious. And they'll tell you that Lionel Messi was a byproduct of Barcelona and that and Cristiano Ronaldo can do what he does with any team and Messi cannot, um, which which is, it's, 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 anyway, it's their opinion. It's kind of ludicrous, though. Um, and if you talk to anyone who's from Argentina, they'll tell you Messi. Here's the deal. By the, the letter of the law and the actual term player, to play, to play means to run, to dribble, to make moves, to zigzag, to use others around you. Lionel Messi, in that respect, is a better player than Cristiano Ronaldo. He's more of a east-west player who can also play north-south and Ronaldo is more of a north-south player. It's remarkable what Cristiano Ronaldo has been able to do for himself and build himself into the machine that he is. I've talked to a lot of pro players and everyone has an opinion and what I notice is if you're a striker 
Most will probably say it's Ronaldo because he's been playing as a striker lately. And uh, if you're not, you play another position. But most players seem to say, and and by the way, my son has, my older son has been playing with one player <clears throat> who played in La Liga and played against Lionel Messi. And Lionel Messi um, had a really, really good game against them. And he told my son that, you know, they're obviously both great, but Cristiano was much more predictable on the field than Lionel Messi was. You kind of knew what Cristiano was going to do. He would beat you because he'd probably muscle you or he was just, he was really, really potent. But you never really knew what Chris, what Lionel Messi was going to do because he was very, very unpredictable. Ronaldo is a guy, you know, one-on-one, down the wing or in the box, he can kill you. Lionel Messi can go through five or six guys and score a goal or set up somebody else. So by the letter of the, of the you know, the, the, the whole player thing, Messi's a better player. But, um, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of people who uh, prefer Cristiano Ronaldo, and there's no wrong answer to this, right? I mean, Ronaldo is, we're, we're talking, at the end of the day, we're talking about arguably the two greatest players at all of all time right so is there is there a wrong answer to this i mean um i don't think so right when we're talking about arguably the two greatest players of all time i i don't i don't think there's a wrong answer to this but i really don't so well thanks for the education now i know uh, I'll, yeah. I'll take that i'll take that yeah all right so. okay so so now but everyone has a preference right and uh uh, I like Cristiano's Twitter account and his Instagram account a lot more. Uh, okay, Kelly says uh, yes. Um, Austin Matthews Pillow. Ma- Austin Matthews Pillow. How do I order one? Yeah, you can give us a call at 450-218-3133. So yeah. that's, you can call us at the store. You can reach us on uh, Facebook Messenger or through uh, like on our Facebook page, Spallet on that. Yeah. Uh, get a hold of us. We can ship it out for you anywhere uh Anywhere you want. So I was probably yeah. away going to get the pillows when you talked about Austin Matthews, but did you say what that's going for? Or is that no? I was talking about the pillows. They're all the same price, but I was just saying how I can get different players from different teams. Okay. They're all custom. You can custom make if if I don't have it and you have a special player, I can I can get it done. So, uh, but definitely in the store is mostly uh, mostly Canadian stuff. But uh, I do well. actually have an Austin Matthews. Um, you, well, you're going to, you're going to end up selling a lot of Cole Caulfields and a lot of Nick Suzuki's, I would imagine. Yes. Especially Christmas is coming and those guys are hot. Uh, okay. That's pretty cool. All right. Um, so, so, um, you know, what's, 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 uh, I don't know if you, you, you told me about the, uh, you showed me the pillow, but what's, what's your approach like with, um, with buyers? So the approach with buyers is, uh, in, is so. This year in the show, every every time I go to the show in Toronto, which I push more and more for the collectors, they need to go. They need to they need to experience this because every year it gets bigger and bigger. So it, it's it's quite the experience. And what my experience is is sometimes I have a table, sometimes I don't. So this year I went as a buyer. I did not actually have a table there. I I showed up on the Thursday night. I get settled in. We did the podcast on the Thursday night. Friday I showed up at the show and I don't tend to buy on the Friday. I like to uh, settle in, ask questions, see what's going on. Uh, you talk to all the vendors. Uh, you kind of you're you're at different tables talking to vendors, and you see the tendencies of the buyers to see what the market's like and what people are looking for. So uh, this year, 
at the show, the market was very different than other years. So uh, right now, uh, you know, people are using uh, the word recession or whatever it may be. Uh, so the market's a little bit lower right now, and the the vendors seem to be uh, a little bit more flexible. Uh, they were pushing more for the sale this year, uh, and um, it was and for collectors all around now. The time to buy is now. Uh, the cards are a little bit lower right now at this point. So if you can buy and you want to add to your collection or you want to, you know, finish a collection that you're not done a set per se, it's, it's time. It's, it's if you want that card that you haven't, if you've been looking for some Suzuki card that you haven't, uh, been able to get for a while because, you know, it's, it's been quite pricey. It's, it's time now that the, the tide has turned a bit more for the collectors and not so much uh, the vendors. So the vendors had a very good time during during COVID. People were at home. People were doing their buying online. People were watching sports break, uh, sports card breaks uh, that we'll get into eventually, uh, opening packs and buying. So people, you know, during COVID could do that, and they were spending a bit more money, and the vendors were – it was it was more of a, a sales market, and now all of a sudden we're seeing now uh, the tables have turned towards more uh, buying. So if you can, now's the time to buy, um, especially uh, coming up. Like tomorrow's a box, uh, not Boxing Day, but uh, Black Friday. Yeah. So Black Friday, every local card store is going to be putting on some some pretty sick deals. Um, so it's probably a good it's a good time to go shop tomorrow on black friday sports cards is a is you know almost like tvs it's 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 pretty hot there's a lot of sales out there so uh yeah the sales on 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 everything sales on packs sales on individual cards the sales on stickers yeah. sales on yeah exactly okay, exactly yeah exactly okay. so i i went through it today I, I went on my shelves and i just basically uh knocked down everything everything tomorrow is going to be a sale it's black friday uh, just to bring people in and uh, have a look and, and show them the new stuff, obviously. So, you know, at so at the show, it was it was it was definitely a buyer's market, and um, I, I saw a lot of deals. But there, there's you also the difference between myself and say another another vendor now. I don't want to say, you know, you never want to say, look, I'm better than someone else. Or I, I feel like if I use an example, Tiger Woods, uh, Tom Brady, uh, you know, all the greats, uh, I always say they're the best at, the, at what they do because they study more than anyone else. Uh, Michael, Michael I, Jordan. Michael Jordan, you know. Wayne Gretzky. Guys, absolutely. Tony like, Marinaro. Yeah, well, it, I think if you study, if you study the game, you know, you know what's coming. I can give you a great example. I have at the store here, I bought up, I got a huge collection of Kale McCarr. Okay. And people always said, Kale McCarr, why Kale McCarr? Well, I, I, I was looking at it over a month ago and I was thinking, you know, 200 points, 200 games, the record's coming. When he breaks that record, what's going to happen to his cards? Way up. Absolutely. So, you got to study that. And you, if you, if you don't, 
if you're into cards but you don't really watch the game and stuff like that, I, I, I you're gonna miss out on some. Is of those there things. any kill? Is there any kill McCart card that I can get at your store, even though everyone knows the value is gonna shoot way up? That yeah. that's somewhat of a great deal right now. Is there a card that's a little bit different that maybe I can get at a good price? Yeah, there's uh, there there's kale McCart cards any at my store anywhere from ten dollars right up to twelve hundred dollars. Uh, more than that, actually, I got some at three thousand dollars, some big ones. Um, so. Yeah, there, there's Kale McCarr is hot right now. Uh, another player at the show, even though we were in Toronto, oddly enough, was Cole Caulfield. Every table I went to, people were talking about Cole Caulfield. What do you have? What do you have for Cole Caulfield? Oh, really? Um, yeah. So, uh, Chris, this has been all very enriching as usual. Uh, in ending, any surprises at the show in Toronto? Uh, yeah, actually, I. There was a big surprise for me this year. I, I oh, showed yeah. up there. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting this, but uh, I showed up this year, and I like to go see every table, every vendor, and there's always displays. Upper deck is there and everything. And um, I went in the, in the corner where all the grading companies are. So uh, there's big grading companies that grade the cards. You know, people know PSA. People know Beckett. People know uh, M&T, KSA. They're, they're, they're bigger companies. Um, and all of a sudden I fell, I fell upon this new grading company and it's been a while now that I've been saying that we're now in 2022, we need to upgrade in the card grading world because a lot of cards are still getting graded by the human eye and they're, and they're, they're still being seen by people. And I, and I feel like, you know, there's different people grading the cards all the time and they're coming back. I'm seeing some that come back that, you know, maybe shouldn't be a 10. They don't look perfect. They don't look like 10s, but they're coming back as 10s. And I and I, I feel that it's hard to judge as a collector, what do I send or what don't I send in to get graded? Um, so this new company called Tag had their booth there. I went and visited them. I stayed there for two hours. They, uh, I really suggest people look them up. They, they have come up with a technology that is pretty all computerized. The card is basically, I like to see it like an x-ray. So they, they'll take like an x-ray of your card. They they have their slab that they, they put the card in is is by far superior. They have great rates. They're really, they're really gonna push the game uh, in the future. I feel like they're, they're very up and coming. Thanks so much for doing this, man. And we'll talk to you again in a while. He is Chris Latornad from Sports Card Show Latornad on One Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil, Dorian. And he says there's some great deals to be had tomorrow. Black Friday in the United States is going to be going on at six sports cards presented by Sports Latornad. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. All right. You're very welcome. Uh, joining me right now is... A, uh, a former Montrealer uh, who's an assistant coach at Butler University, and he's had a very prestigious career as a coach, coaching basketball, and as a former player. And I'm going to introduce him right now. His name is Maurice Joseph, and he goes by Coach Mojo underscore, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay? I can definitely hear you well. Um great. If you want to come across a little bit better on the screen, maybe turn the phone sideways. There we go. Fantastic. We there got it go. done. All right. All right. Hey, thank you for doing this. And I'm bringing you on, and I'm sure a lot of people are watching right now and saying, 
wow, where's this going? We're talking basketball tonight. It's a big day in football. Thanksgiving, Thursday United States, there were three games. It's a big day at the World Cup of soccer. There were four games. It's Montreal. We're always talking Canadians. Why are we talking basketball? Well, the reason why we're going to talk basketball here uh, is because for the very first time, six Division I NCAA basketball teams are going to face off in Montreal for games that actually count. And they're going to be tomorrow. They're going to be Saturday. And they're going to be Sunday. Coach, how did this all come about? Well, you know, JD Sports has done an unbelievable job of, of you know, bringing college basketball to Montreal and to, and to Canada um, with the foreign tours. You know, they, they bring teams in the summertime and um, give give the give young student athletes who play Division One a cultural experience, but also play some high-level basketball against universities like McGill and Concordia and, you know, so on and so forth. So, there's been some Division One basketball um, during the summer times and the summer months over the, flat, the past decade or so, but now to have to have an MTE, which is a multi-team event, um, a tournament kind of style deal with Division One teams in Montreal for the first time, it, it's it's monumental, really, and and it speaks to the evolution of basketball in Canada, but specifically in the province of Quebec and in our city in Montreal. So it's really, really exciting time in the, in the, in the evolution of basketball in the city. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm really proud and, and of, of where basketball has, has come in the last 20 years, 20 or so years in, in, in the province. And with, with events like this now, bringing college basketball in the regular season, in the, in the real season, not, not just summertime events, in the real season well, where, where the standings count and all that kind of stuff to have that kind of high level basketball in Montreal is going to expose players in Montreal to division one basketball right in their backyard. Fantastic. That's going to inspi- it's going to inspire the next generation of, of, of young basketball players. And it could only propel basketball in Quebec and in Montreal further at an exponential rate. So this is really exciting times for basketball in Canada, but certainly basketball in our backyard in Quebec and Montreal. The, you're right. This is exciting times. I would imagine when you say JD Sport, you're talking about my buddy John Dangelis, yeah. uh, who's got the, the basketball, one, the one and only, the one and in, only, in, in his blood and his <laughs> veins. And you're you're right when you're saying that it's it's such a great time for yeah. basketball in the city of Montreal, the province of Quebec. You say basketball, and you say Montreal, and you say Quebec. The first thing that comes to mind, or you know, is uh, is is Chris Boucher, is Lugans Dort. Is uh, is Ben Maturin? I mean, I I have two boys who are soccer players, nineteen and seventeen. You know, the nineteen is absolutely head over heels over basketball. He loves it. I mean, he's looking at Ben Maturin's schedule with the Pacers, um, and and uh, and uh, he, you know, he wants to go watch him play live. And you know, I I got a note just uh, about uh, half an hour ago, I, I think, from my my nephew, and I, I want to bring this up here. Uh, and, uh, here we go. Um, buzzer beater alert. The bank is open on Thanksgiving for Tyree Samuel and, uh, Tyree Samuel actually went, Tyree Samuel went to my, you know, to my high school, LaSalle Catholic comprehensive high school. So he's, he's, he's now become the pride of LaSalle here. Um, there's gotta be a reason more so than anything else that so many great basketball players are coming out of Montreal. It, is it one thing? Is it more than one thing? And have you been able to put your finger on it, Coach? Well, I think it's, I think it's a, a number of things. One, the, the game has become 
the, the globalization of basketball over the last 20, 30 years has been astronomical, right? You know, it's, it's one of the most popular sports overseas, and the NBA is playing games in China every year, and there's, there's Africa basketball without borders, borders. You know, there's all kinds of different avenues overseas for, for, for young basketball players to be exposed to the game. So the globalization of basketball has really accelerated over the past decade or so, right? But not only that, at the grassroots level in Quebec, basketball you know has become a really serious deal you got the AAU teams who are taking kids to to, to AAU tournaments in the summertime to be able to get exposed to, to, to high level competition to be recruited by division one athletes and coaches like myself uh I'm sorry division one coaches and 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 to compete against other aspiring division one athletes so you got you got that piece with that has become the the evolution of the the, the coaches in at the grassroots level in, uh, in, in Quebec and Montreal. So kids are getting instruction at a higher level at a younger age and is making them better players. And that's kind of happened over the last 10, 15 years as well. So the entire game is evolving at every level. The players, um, the coaches, the organizational structure and all the AAU programs, the high school programs, the club programs. Um, it, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of risen kind of uh, synonymously together o- o- over the course of the last 15 years. And, 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 now with guys at Lugern's door and Ben Maturin and Ken Birch and Chris Boucher, guys who have walked in the shoes and played in LaSalle and played at Sun Youth and played at Dawson and Vanier and all these different schools and, uh, you know, in, in, in our backyard, now kids are being exposed to those guys having success with basketball and seeing it as a much more plausible and realistic deal for themselves, right? It's one thing to watch college basketball and, see a bunch of Americans playing and think that's it's you know that that dream is 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 really foreign to them and hard to attain but it's another thing to see guys who go to your high schools and 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 play in your local gyms to accomplish some of these high level dreams and um to so they're aspiring the next generation um you know I I was inspired before I went to Champlain by guys like Bernard Cote and Muhammad Ashad and you know guys you know Prosper Karanga I'm here in the Bahamas right now uh playing playing in the Atlantis tournament and Prosper Karango from Montreal, he's a scout in the NBA, and I saw him yesterday. He's here scouting games and all that kind of stuff. And and yeah. every time I see him, I tell him I, I thank him because you know when he played at Siena, made the NCAA tournament, he was on CTV News and and TSN and all that kind of stuff. I saw that as a young kid, and I was inspired. Yeah. And that that helped me want to become a Division One basketball player. Now, now we got guys Ben Matherin and my is as my rookie of the year pick, and I'm in Indy right now. I live in Indy, so I've been to a couple of his games. His Pacers game, so I'm uh, really proud, really proud to see him and what he's doing. And I was he's I was, he's I was, unbelievable. I was, right there, I was right there courtside for his for his first NBA basket. Oh, uh, really? And all that, yeah, oh, and all wow. that kind of stuff. So it's just it's just now the game has risen and, and evolved at a high level across the board. And now young kids get the chance to see people who come from the same places they come from. It's you know reaching these high levels and it's it's inspiring them. It's inspiring me. I'm I'm st- I, I still feel like I'm a young kid trying to be inspired by these guys. So yeah. I'm just I'm just proud to be a part of this basketball community in Quebec and Montreal. And I'm trying to do my part on the coaching side of things to continue to grow the game. Uh, but certainly having an MTE tournament and JD Sports and what they're doing, bringing Division One basketball to Montreal, is just taking another step forward in the evolution of our game. I couldn't be more excited. Well, to tell you how much we love Ben Matron and how much we like basketball, I could tell you right now off the top of my head that one of the dates we have circled on our calendar is the 21st of December because okay. Ben and his Pacers are going to be in Boston 
visiting the Celtics. Nice. And it's kind of like it's less than a five hour drive away from Montreal. Go. Right. So it's Gotta one of it. the things that we're that we're looking into. We talked about, you know, basketball and grassroots level here. It should be noted. They're not the only ones. But Brookwood Elite, if I'm not mistaken, and Nelson Ose, they got something yep. terrific going on uh, over there, which is awesome. Uh, and, uh, and and so, you know, I want to talk to you about the six teams that are going to be here uh, in Montreal, UNC, Greensboro Spartans, Hofstra Pride, Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks, yep. Quinnipiac Bobcats, Middle Tennessee State University Blue Raiders, and Montana State Bobcats. Once again, over the next three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Place Bell in Laval. If memory serves me well, it's 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Friday. It's 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday. And on Sunday, it's 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. I know there's a lot of storylines here, but when I just mentioned these six teams, is there one thing that comes to your mind when I talk about these teams one player or one coach, is there something I should know because I don't know all that much about them? No, I, I don't, I haven't watched all these, all, all these teams closely yet. I'm not sure what their records are and all that. Obviously I have my own season and we just, yes, played, of course, of we, course. We just played a game tonight. So I'm not terribly familiar with a lot of the teams that, that aren't on our schedule, but I'll tell you this. Um, I, what I can played... we expect to see coach? Talk, talk to me about that. For those who are wondering what kind of a show am I going to get at Place Bell and Laval when I go watch these teams, what kind of basketball am I going to see? What kind of athletes am I going to see? Is there any way you tonight can paint the picture? Yeah, you're, you're going to see great high level basketball. You're going to see great teams and great coaches, great student athletes who compete at, 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 at some of the highest levels. Uh, compete in, in, a, in an MTE where they're, where they're fighting to build their identity with their teams and all that kind of stuff. And you're going to see an exciting brand of basketball. We played Hofstra last year when I was at the University of Richmond and Speedy Claxton, who's a former NBA uh, um, NBA player, is the head coach there. He does an unbelievable job with his guys. Uh, I'm familiar with his team because we played against them recently, but not as familiar with the others. But this is high-octane basketball with, 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 with really high-level coaches, uh, and really talented players. So if you're if you if you're a basketball junkie and you enjoy the game of basketball, you're gonna go see some high level basketball players coached at a really high level by some talented coaches and programs who are like everyone else trying to build their identity early in the season before they go into conference play. And they're gonna go out there in Montreal trying to find a, a way to get two or three wins uh, to kind of further build their identities as they get going with the season. But again, it's if you're a basketball junkie. And, and you and you and you enjoy watching the game, and you and you enjoy college basketball. To have college live college basketball in the city of Montreal in the regular season again is unheard of. Um, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first time this has ever happened. And I think that if this is successful and it's well attended, it's only going to grow. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see more name brand teams and yeah, or bigger name recognition. In, in years to come and more attendance and more revenue and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I really believe this is just the start of, of something special in Montreal, bringing high level basketball. Um, and, and as, as the years go on, hopefully we can, they can continue to bring high level caliber teams in, in, into Montreal and increase in te- attendance and, you know, increase notoriety. And that's just going to grow the game of, of basketball in our city. And it can only go up from there, man. So again, yeah. really, really, really exciting time. And, uh, and, I, and I urge everybody who's involved in the basketball community uh, in Montreal to go out and support the event, support the, the support 
not just these Division One schools, but support Montreal basketball, support the evolution of the game in our city, uh, because it is important. And we, you know, as my, myself, I, I, you know, coming up, going to, from Mount Royal to Champlain, you know, yeah. over close to twenty, you know, twenty years ago, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't get to see a Division One college basketball game until I was about 16, 17 years old. So for little kids who are eight, nine years old, inspiring yeah. to college, to see these athletes up close and kind of have a feel for what it's like and, and kind of see the environment and see the level of, of the high level of play. That's, that's going to help. That's going to help basketball grow in our city, man. And that's, that's ultimately the goal is, is to continue to grow and continue to chip away at, 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 uh, uh, at our potential. Our potential is incredibly high. Yeah. And coach, if I can let everyone know who's watching right now, live on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter, Hofstra, Stephen F. Austin and Montana state, all recently qualify for the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. It's a great time for basketball in this city. We talked about the great basketball players coming out of Montreal and Quebec. Uh, we, we talked about uh, uh, you know the great basketball programs that we have. It was just season number one, of course, uh, for the Montreal Alliance and the CEBL managed yep. by uh, Joel Anthony. We've yep. had uh, we've had exhibition games at the Bell Center of NBA teams, yep. and I got to tell you, I'm crossing my fingers. Look, I I grew up with soccer and hockey in my blood primarily, but I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I've gone to watch basketball games. I went to watch an Orlando Magic game in Orlando. Um, I went to watch um, a Lakers game in Los Angeles. I went to watch a Raptors playoff game in Toronto versus back then LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe in terms of as a spectator sport, and I've been to the World Cup of soccer, and I saw a Champions League final of soccer. I believe basketball as a spectator sport is the most exciting sport that you can watch as a fan. I would have have to agree, yeah. (laughs) and, And I'm saying that, and once again, I grew up, you know, with my parents who came here from Italy with soccer in their blood, and living in Montreal, I grew up with the Montreal Canadiens winning Stanley Cups with hockey in my blood. But I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it as a spectator sport. I believe basketball is the most entertaining and exciting sport no that you can watch live. I thank you very much for doing this. And I want to let everyone know that you can buy reserve seats. And you can also buy general admission seats, which cost only $20 plus tax. To get you in for a full day, once again, it's tomorrow, Friday, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., Saturday, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Coach, you just finished the game. I so very much appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for doing this, and thanks for spreading the beautiful word that is basketball. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. And, of course, you can pick up those tickets at Evenco, and that would be at Evenco dot ca there you have it from one sport beautiful sport to another it's now time to talk world cup of soccer go for gold a daily world cup report presented by bijou tree bossy oh yeah go for gold is brought to you by bijou tree bossy that have provided professional service and fine jewelry for over 30 years. Visit the store at 9640 Boulevard St. Michel in Montreal, and you can call them at 514-387-9528. Another great day in the World Cup. Uruguay was so impressive uh, in 
dismantling Canada several months ago in a preparation game, or it seemed like it was several months ago. But today, they had to settle for a draw with South Korea by a score of two to nothing. Portugal versus Ghana. Cristiano Ronaldo scored. Yes, he did on a penalty shot to give Portugal a one nothing lead at the 65th minute. But eight minutes later, Ghana tied it up. But then in a span of three minutes, Portugal got two goals, one by Jao Felix, the other by Leao. They went up by a score of three to one. Ghana narrowed the lead to three, two at the 89th minute mark. But unfortunately, even after they added five or six minutes of stoppage time, Ghana could not equalize. And that's the way it ended. Portugal win by a score of three to two. Switzerland with a big one nothing win over Cameroon on a goal by Mbolo. That came at the 48th minute of play. They win their opening game. And everyone was waiting the entrance of the great Brazil, who went up against Serbia. And it wasn't going to be easy. But I got to tell you that Richarlison uh, scored a couple of goals. And his second on like a kind of like a half volley was absolutely beautiful on a pass by Venetius Jr. They went up at the 62nd minute. They got the second one at the 73rd minute. Two goals by the same player. They win by a score of 2 to nothing. So a very successful entrance at the Qatar 2022 World Cup for Brazil. We now bring up tomorrow's games. I think we should have them right here. Here we go. Man, what a team I have behind me. Back at Master Control. I'm talking about Sammy and Yellow. And Juliana, of course, at 5 a.m. tomorrow. It's Wales versus Iran as Wales play their second game after tying Team USA by a score of 1-1 a couple of days ago. Qatar looks to rebound after dropping the first game 2-0 to uh, Ecuador. They play versus Senegal. It's the Netherlands uh, versus Ecuador. And uh, the Netherlands, who was victorious, uh, a couple of days ago versus Senegal, as a matter of fact, they take on Ecuador. So two teams that won their first game there. And England, who put six goals by Iran in a 6-2 win in their opener, they play Team USA. That game goes at 2 p.m. So four very good games. But I have to tell you, the one that most has my attention is England versus USA tomorrow at 2 p.m. So I know this. I'm going to be home all day tomorrow. I'm going to be watching those games. And if I'm not going to be watching those games, as a matter of fact, my son is going to watch the basketball tomorrow. I'm not sure if I'm going with him tomorrow or I'm going with him on Saturday. I suggest you go out and you support basketball in this city. Once again, general admission seats for just $20 plus tax. I hope you enjoyed the sick podcast tonight. We gave you Grant McCag to talk to you about Slavkowski, Jordan Harris, Arbor Jackye, uh, Caden Gooley, the young players, prospects, even a possible trade with the New Jersey Devils. Chris from Sports Cards La Tornade in Vaudreuil Dorian telling you that tomorrow is going to be a big sale, Black Friday sale at his store in Vaudreuil Dorian. Talk to us about the sports player card business. Coach Maurice Joseph, assistant coach at Butler University, talking to us about six uh, Division One NCAA basketball teams that are going to be participating in games that will actually count in the standings over the next three days in Montreal. And our Goal for Gold segment talking to you about World Cup 2022. This is the SICK Podcast. We are taking over sports in Montreal, sports in Quebec, shortly sports in Canada. 
podcast is the way to go. I knew what I was doing. Some thought I was crazy. I told them, I'm not crazy. I'm sick. I'm Marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you. 